Hello, and welcome to Artbox. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I talk to Michael Campbell. Michael is a sculptor whose work explores the connection with the fungi kingdom and the human's place in nature. He uses symbols of religious icons and mushrooms to explore this connection and suggest that we all are connected to nature. We talk about this connection, the materials he uses, some philosophy of nature, and what advice he would give to his past self and to other artists. So, with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Thank you again for doing this. Uh, so let's start off with the let's get people to know you question. What is your origin story? Uh, how did you get your start down your path of art? I was born in the Midwest and I have always made art. I've always drawn, I've always made things. So there was really, there was never any question uh, what I was going to do. Um, it was always going to be this, you know, it's, the question was, was it going to be a more commercial pursuit in art or was it going to be a more fine art pursuit? And it just it ended up going more in the fine art direction. I went to school for painting and did a, an undergrad in painting. But I found that painting wasn't didn't really agree with me in the same way that working three-dimensionally does. For me, working three-dimensionally is it's more like um, it's like taking parts and piecing them together like a puzzle in a way. It's sometimes I will make many different things that are unrelated and kind of piece them together physically and see how they look. So I, I find that just sort of problem solving in art is easier for me to do it three-dimensionally than it was to try to map out a canvas and try to to paint that way so yeah it's so it's always been it's always been art it's become sculpture i went to grad school in arizona for sculpture i finished up there in the late 90s and then all of my friends were moving to the bay area so i followed some friends out here and slept on somebody's couch for a while until i found a place to live and i've been out here since 2000. How do you like it out there now? I mean, uh, besides the, uh, the crazy it. fires and earthquakes and what have you, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's becoming uh, less and less habitable all the time. But we love it. I I can't imagine living anywhere else. Yeah, I, I love the Bay Area. I really do. So, uh, what kind of mediums do you work with in your sculpture? Uh, like plaster or any kind of like foams or anything like that. Um, it's a mix of many different things. Primarily, I like to make things in an additive fashion. So working with an epoxy-based clay, I work with something called Magic Sculpt, and it's a two-part epoxy clay. Um, you mix it together, and you've got about two hours working time. Really, uh, it's kind of a race. When you first mix it, it's it's far too soft to hold any form, so you can't really sculpt it initially. You have to give it some time to set. And then it begins to slowly cure and heat up a little bit. And then you've got maybe about an hour or so to get it the way you want it. Kind of have to time things right. And you have to plan ahead as to where you want to put things. And you have to be skilled enough to be able to sculpt them in that time limit. Because then it slowly begins to harden. And at a certain point, it just becomes too hard to work with anymore. So mainly epoxy clay. But it varies. If I make a larger piece, it requires some sort of substructure which might be made of wood um, sometimes i'm using 
found figurines like um, Catholic saints, things like that. I'll use those as structures. I'll build mushroom caps onto them and I'll make that from wood and I'll sometimes I'll carve foam and then I'll have to layer epoxy layer over that for, you know, longevity and making it archival. But primarily that, that sort of thing. Sometimes it's organic materials, like sometimes it's things like found bones or found antlers. Yeah, so it's, I mean, really anything goes, but it's primarily working in um, the epoxy-based clay. When I looked at your Virgin Mary, uh, the mushroom cap, I thought you just poured a casting of it. I didn't realize it's like the actual statue, and then you build on top of that. I just honestly didn't know. Wow. Oh, so it depends. Like it, the smaller ones, um, yeah. the smaller ones are all cast. So they, I'll take a mold of a Mary figurine or a Christ figurine, and I'll usually cast them in urethane. And then I can paint them and I can add mushroom caps to them. Uh, the larger pieces are either concrete or they might be um, like chalkware, like plaster. Oh, okay. Yeah. As we both just kind of uh, suggested about the kind of things that you explore by naming a couple of pieces that you've done, what subjects do you explore with your work, with the concepts you come up with, and, or what do you like to explore? Well, it's over the past maybe 10 years or so, everything has gone in the direction of, of fungi and mushrooms, exploring the, the mushroom kingdom. As I, I moved out of the city about 10 years ago and moved to North Bay in the Bay Area, I found that mushroom hunting in North Bay has been really good, pretty amazing. My wife and I have slowly gotten into uh, interest in mycology. I mean, we're just, our interest is very layperson. We're not really, we're not very knowledgeable, but we really enjoy going out and hunting mushrooms and particularly things like finding the red and white Amanita muscaria. I mean, it's always a, it's always a prize to find this flash of red and white peeking out of the forest floor. Yeah. But just exploring mycology and mushrooms and the possible health benefits of mushrooms, the possible therapeutic benefits of them as well. Everything points to mushrooms for me. And it's also, it's the act of going out into nature and hunting for mushrooms is, it's therapeutic. It's, it's kind of a meditation in a way, and it's, it connects you with the natural world. So my work is in that way, it's, it's connecting me to the natural world as well. Huh. So then by, by looking for mushrooms, it's a way for you to kind of value more uh, of nature itself. That's kind of a yes or no question, but would you think so or would not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hunting of mushrooms has, I don't know, gotten me out of the house a bit more and um, uh, taken me out into nature more frequently. Um, you know, particularly like spending about 10 years living in the city and living in a very urban environment, you don't really get quite as much green space although san francisco is has you know things like golden gate park but but when you live in a you know in, in an apartment building you know in in the tenderloin or whatever it's very urban so so basically then it helps you kind of find your your place your, your inner peace in the world itself, just not in, not only in nature, but in where you used to live in, in the Bay area is what, absolutely because I, I could see that completely, especially out there. I mean, when you're looking for something, especially those kind of mushrooms with the red tops and, and the white, it's just like, they look cartoonish. So yeah, I, I could absolutely. see how, 
it, you can just start to feel more connected. So then did you start to develop some kind of uh, a curious connection between with mushrooms and uh, with this perception of uh, internal and divine sacred objects like uh, Christ figures or Virgin Mary type figures? How, how did the connection form for you by, by those two things coming together? Well, for me, I mean, I was brought up um, in the Midwest, going to a, a Protestant-based church. Uh, my family was fairly religious as I grew up. That was a part of my life for a while until I was about 16, and then I just decided that it wasn't really for me. But for me, the, the connection is through psychedelics, through psilocybin mushrooms, um, and my experiences with them in, in the past. One of my first experiences with psilocybin, you know, I, I would say it was it was pretty groundbreaking for me, and it was, you know, that, cliche of a religious experience, but I would say that it was something that, that made me feel um, more connected to the earth and more connected to every aspect of that in a way that I, I never felt um, sitting in, in a sanctuary listening to someone preach. So it was, for me, it was a natural connection to, to say, okay, so there's a, there is a philosophy of Christianity, a, a Judeo-Christian background, and then there's a, a different sort of spiritual path where you are, it's something more direct, you know, it's, it's, in a way, it's almost like a taking a sacrament and then immediately experiencing something that feels otherworldly, almost like you are crossing the veil momentarily and you're getting a peek into um, other realms. Yeah, well, when you said the sacrament, that made me think that's what that's supposed to do. You know, when you're taking the the body of Christ, and not to diss the religion, but it, mm -hmm. it's it's just symbols. It's all about the symbol of it. And you know, when you take a symbol of something of nature, uh, and you go into nature, that helps you get connected to nature. <laughs> you know, it helps bring that value about wanting to protect it, uh, value it, and think about it. So that. I could see how your connection could have developed like that. So with these narratives that you've done, the Greek term of, you know, actually becoming divine within is, I guess, really what we're both talking about. You started to kind of to discover the divine within yourself, within the, the nature. Mm -hmm. How does this idea of divine within counter with this Judeo-Christian teaching, in your opinion? Um... Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a there's a quote from the Gospel of Thomas. Are you familiar with this? I am not. No. Uh, Gospel of Thomas was some scriptures that were found in 1945 in Egypt, and they were, I think, 13 different um, scripts, and they weren't considered to be canon, so they were hidden away. And when they were found, they they were translated and published. And the Gospel of Thomas was particularly interesting. It was teachings of Jesus, but a little bit different than, say, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the quotes that, for me, that stands out is, the kingdom of the Father is spread out over the earth and men do not see it. And this is Christ saying this to his followers. And for me, the way I take that is, rather than thinking about kingdom come rather than thinking about the reward of an afterlife and sort of leaving this plane behind and moving on to 
greater rewards. It's it's more about considering where you are in the moment and living more in harmony with the earth and with um, its ecosystems and recognizing the natural world as something that is divine in and of itself. You know, rather than seeing nature as something that needs to be uh, subdued and conquered, uh, living more in, in tune with it. So for me, it's, I'm not necessarily rejecting Judeo-Christian teachings. I mean, I, I still, that's still a part of me. And honestly, like my dad passed away um, about four years ago and I was, he was, he was in hospice for about eight days and I was with mm. him every day. We knew he was going to pass away and he was always very religious and he knew that I was not really a churchgoer anymore. So, I mean, on his deathbed, he was asking me, he said, I, you know, I need to know about your faith. Hmm. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you say to a dying man? I just, I just had to tell him that I was, I was with him, you know, in every way. So it's, you know, these things have evolved from that in a way it's, I, I still have a connection to Judeo-Christian teachings, not in the um, standard form of it. I'm sort of finding it in a different way. And for me, trying to square things between between a Christian outlook, but also seeing nature as a part of that and seeing nature as something that is divine and seeing it, seeing it as something to be worshipped and revered in the same way that you might, you know, I, I mean, I would think of like, I would think of the, the body of earth as in a way as like the body of Christ or the body of, of St. Mary or whatever you might, might imagine. Like you say, because usually with, with uh, Western philosophy and it's like you always want to control nature. And that's interesting that the, with the scripture of Thomas, you know, that kind of is not necessarily saying that. In Eastern philosophy, it's basically Tao could translate to, you know, the the way of nature. Eastern philosophies, basically, you're supposed to be in harmony with nature. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as you could tell, this is another setup for a question. But personally, I see that you're making connection with this kind of Western thought and with this Eastern thought. The question is that, you know, with all these religious Christian symbols, you transform them into these new symbols with nature. It, was that something that just came organically for you? Or did you, you know, start plotting a path for that going, you know, I, I have this... Christian faith and belief, I, you know, recognize. And then I have this other, you know, kind of internal uh, divine within kind of coming together with creating these symbols. Was it something planned or did it just happen organically for you? I don't really know how it came about. I, I can't remember the, the very first piece that had a, that was like a saintly mushroom. I guess I'd say it was a more organic formation. A friend of mine gave me a bunch of Catholic saints, like plaster saints, to use in my work. And they sat around for a while and I didn't know quite what to do with them. I was still doing mushroom work, but wasn't really making that connection to the Christian faith at that time. But I think it just kind of evolved over time. I started seeing, started imagining, it's very easy to imagine a mushroom as an anthropomorphic type of organism, you know, seeing it as, you know, the, the mushroom cap as, as a hat or as a head and, and seeing the the stem or the stipe of it as the uh, the torso or the body of it, yeah. And even in the even in the nomenclature of mushrooms, you you get that sort of thing as well. Like, like the the veil, the veil is a part uh, below the cap, 
it sort of holds all the spores in. So as, as the, the mushroom grows, they push stuff out of the ground and the, the cap spreads out and opens. Hmm. And when it's time to drop spores for reproduction, the, the veil drops away from the underside of the cap, opening up the, for the gills to spread and let, letting the, the spores drop to propagate. So things like veils and just in the, the visual symbolism as well, you know, it's, there's something that's very phallic about the mushroom, but it's also something that's, that's very feminine in a way. The gills have a sort of female sense to them as well. And I love that the joining of opposites in that you know, it's, it's you know, studying a little bit more about religion, reading about angels. Angels are, are supposedly androgynous. They are a union of both male and female together. Hmm. And um, I kind of see some of these, these saintly figures, these female figures with mushroom caps in a way is almost like, almost like angels or guides. You know, if you imagine something pushing through the forest floor and you come across it and maybe you communicate with this, this otherworldly figure. Wow. I never really thought of it like that. That, sorry, that just made me think. (laughs) That is interesting because it is basically a beautiful harmonization or connection. And, and I don't know how I can follow up with that, to be honest, besides pivoting to another question. <laughs> I mean, the other thing I would say, just to add to that is, and you were talking about Taoism earlier, and yeah. I kind of skip around in terms of like philosophies. I'll, I look at different things and I'm always open to, you know, sort of sampling of, of different life experiences and, and sort of finding what, sort of spiritual path works for me. Right. Um, but Taoism has become it's something that I'm fairly new to, but I have a mentor who I talk to and we, we discuss Taoism and it's, for me, it's, that is a, it rings pretty true for me. It's, it, it makes a great deal of sense to me. It was just like the sense of movement with the flow of things, sort of finding the essence and flow of things has been, it's been a great tool for me. Well, I was going to say, if you are, trying to achieve your harmony between you and nature, I I think you've already achieved it, to be honest. So (laughs) could you kind of expand on how does your work or what does your work say about your place in nature? If you can expand on that a little more. Uh, Sure. When you, when you think about what mushrooms are and what they do, their place in nature, they're classified as decomposers and they are responsible for, you know, through enzymes, they break down, dead organic matter um, and they process that and they live off of that but they're also clearing away this old detritus on the forest floor and then utilizing it for something else so it's for me that's that's a bit of a, a metaphor you know the idea of clearing away something that is dead and it's no longer of use it's I'm kind of going in a different direction with the question. Sorry, but I, um, no, that's fine. I'm thinking about, um, you know, just, just the idea of say like a psychedelic and as a tool, you know, it's for someone who's experienced psychedelics through psilocybin, you know, there's, there's a, a shared experience. And for me, that's been a, an important part of my work. It's, you know, it's funny, like it's for someone who, hasn't had that experience or for someone who hasn't hunted mushrooms and had the joy of finding mushrooms going out of the ground and these little, these beautiful little pops of color shine and glisten in the light. It's, 
that experience, you know, when you, when you've had that experience, you get it, you know, someone who hasn't, doesn't get it, they'll, they'll ask, well, why mushrooms, you know, why are mushrooms so important to you? But if you've, if you've had that experience and you've had sort of look beyond through a mushroom experience, you just know, you, you just know that connection and it's, it's a life changing experience. And for me, it's mushrooms are, it's a reset, you know, it's, one of the one of the downfalls of being an artist is a lot of times i think for a lot of us you have this this mindset and you have these problems that are so common with creative people you know things like depression and anxiety and you know and i'm a lot as anybody you know i go through the same sort of thing all the time and constantly like trying to fight off you know, feelings of anxiety and depression or whatever. Yeah. The depressive, depressive thought process. It's like, it's almost like cutting a, cutting a groove into a record. And you always seem to like find that same, that same mindset. And you sort of follow in the same thought process, like the, the idea of like rumination, like constantly worrying about things and thinking about this and that, like, you know, thinking about my, my dad and thinking about my mom and her state of affairs. And, you know, it's, so it's, it's a, it's a constant, battle in my head to sort of stay calm and to sort of cool my head. Yeah. But it's for going back to what I was saying, you know, mushrooms as decomposers and clearing away dead matter as a psychedelic, they're also cleansing and clearing away thought processes that don't serve us, that are standing in the way of us, say, growing as humans or becoming, say, more empathetic to other people or to the natural world. I mean, for me, it's when I've taken mushrooms in the past, there's this incredible feeling of thankfulness and a feeling of connection to everything, you know, and it's kind of a cliche. Like if you, if you haven't experienced, then you don't really know what I'm talking about because ego gets in the way, you know, yes. day-to-day, day-to-day business to function, you know, it's, you generally function with ego, um, as your pilot, but to clear that away, to clear away this sort of dead matter, these things that are standing in the way of growth, this is what the mushroom does for me. And this is, this is the connection I make. If I, if I'm showing my work in a gallery, if I'm showing my work on social media, I mean, most of my followers are people who get that and who understand that, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, we are connected. <laughs> it's just that plain and simple, in my opinion. We're all connected to this, well, not only to the planet, but to each other as well, you know, in that regards. And like you said, either you get it or you don't. With that being said, though, I, I, I wonder, what kind of advice would you give your past self then and to other artists? I would, I would say prepare yourself. Um, it's not an easy path. You know, there's, there's definitely easier ways to make a living in life you're always be uncertain about you know income and it requires a lot of dedication you you know in the past i've i've given up many things in order to just have a studio space or to buy materials or to have the time to work so it's it it takes a commitment it takes a lifelong commitment it's not something you enter into casually because as i said earlier on something that i always felt was right for me i was brought up as an only child and 
spend a lot of time alone, just really enjoy alone time. And for me, working in studio is alone time. And it's also like a, a meditation as well. Yeah. And it's very rewarding in that way. But there's, a, there's an old cliche about how you don't choose art, art chooses you. And I feel like that's, that rings pretty true. Um, you don't really have a choice. You, you, if you want to be happy, if you want to find happiness, for me anyway, I need to make things and I need to, I need to explore ideas. I need to, you know, it's my art is development of my art is running parallel to my inner spiritual development as well. You know, things that I'm thinking about in life, things that I'm you know, thinking about life, thinking about death, thinking about that connection, the sort of imminent life and death process. That's important. But yeah, I, it's a commitment and you need to be prepared to make that commitment and go at it, you know, full speed. You're right about that. Kind of can relate to that. I usually use my the term creative because I, I just feel like I have to make and create things. I've always felt that way as a kid. And it's, I guess it is the cliche was true about me. Is like, it chose me to, to be a creator. I didn't choose it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause mm -hmm. like when I was a kid growing up, I had a silk screen, you know, I made shirts and I had my own clothing line. I used to call it astronomy clothing because <laughs> mm -hmm. I was really mm -hmm. big into the stars as a kid and, or I mean like, you know, astronomy, it, it was just, you know, creative outlets and I just kept, kept doing it, you know, and I'm still doing it now. Like you said, it's a commitment. You got to stay committed to it. You can't just not put the time in or expect to uh, just magic to happen to you overnight. You have to put, you know, it's a long haul. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's for me, it's, I, I feel like I'm still an emerging artist and I've been doing this for 20, 30 years now. So yeah, it takes patience. It takes a commitment. Um, I mean, you have to really, you have to really love doing it and you have to want to make things whether someone else appreciates what you do or not. I, I agree. I, yeah, there are a lot of things that I don't know if people will ever will see. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, in my mm -hmm. studio, I got tons of paintings all over the place. I've even bothered to put on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I guess I need it at one point, but not not, not today. <laughs> I have to say thank you again. We just went through the interview, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to kind of go back to and expand on or anything like that that we just talked about? I mean, I think, I think that's that kind of catches it in a gist, Jason. I, I mean, the, the one other thing that I would, I don't know enough about it to really speak about it, but just the fact that, that mushrooms and particularly like psilocybin, I feel like that we are just on the verge of understanding how, how important they may be for their therapeutic properties. And again, like sort of resetting of the brain, you know, when I was talking before about the depression and, and almost like cutting a groove into a record, yeah, the mushroom experience will reset that. It's almost like, it's almost like freshly fallen snow in a way, you know, if you're skiing down the side of a mountain, you may follow in the trail of someone else. If it's just fresh powder, you know, you cut your own trail and you're, you're no longer sort of bound into a place that you may have been stuck in, you know, through a depressive state. So it's in that way, it's a important reset for the brain. I've struggled with depression since, since I was 18 and constantly like battling that and, and trying to manage it and sort of keep it in check. But for me, nothing, nothing works quite the way a mushroom experience does. There was a 
if I can remember the quote exactly, I'm just kind of paraphrasing, but there's something about like you can, you know, you can spend 10 years in therapy or you can have a mushroom experience, you know, they're kind of equal in a way. Yeah. And there has been a lot, like you said, there's been uh, more and more recent research about doing those connections about how it's like a, a restart. Or, or like a restart on a computer kind of thing or just clears out the catch and then you're able to move on, clear out the, the dead wood and brush like you also were saying earlier. That, mm-hmm. So it, it is definitely has some benefits to it in that regard. I agree. Um, yeah. I, I like your, your other analogy of the, the snow. I mean, nothing is like going through fresh powder, cutting <laughs> your own path. I, I started just imagining that right now when you were giving me that. <laughs> Well, is there anything else that I should have asked you that um, that I didn't? Um, I I think we've got it. I think you've covered it. Yeah. Um, okay. That's yeah. That's the. I think you got it. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, uh, thank you for answering my really difficult questions. to say thank you to Michael for taking the time to do the interview. If you want to learn more about Michael's work, head on over to his Instagram at Michael Campbell Art. Artbox DNV is on Instagram at Artbox DNV. And to hear past episodes of Artbox, head on over to the website at ArtboxDNV.com. Until next time, thank you for listening.